How's everybody doing? Let's give God praise that He is in the house today. So glad you are here, especially if you are brand new here today and you braved the cold. Of course, I welcome all of you. But man, if you are a first-time guest, a VIP in the house today, and you come in and you see all these smiling, friendly faces, to my knowledge, they're not drinking, okay? They're just that loving, okay? But anyway, so glad that everyone is here. And I'm going to jump into the second installment of the Reset series of messages. But before I do, I want to tell you something that's very, very important that's happening this Wednesday night. It's in your... uh, in your outline, you probably got when you came in, just things that's going on with the church. But we're going to have our prayer and worship night, and it's going to be with our wonderful worship team here. Would you guys give them some love this Wednesday night? Man, we love them so much. And so so God anointed, and we're just so proud of them. But man, I want to extend this invitation to every one of you and bring whoever you want to. And what we're going to be doing, we're going to be starting a 21-day Daniel fast. And we're, you know, when you think about fasting, it scares people, but there's a myriad of ways that you can do that. Basically, just taking something out of your life that, that when you think of it, you pray in place of it for something that's going on in your life, in the life of someone that you love, or, or maybe it's something to do with our community, something to do with our church. We just want this year, 20 to be the best year ever. And I believe if we will do this together, it'll be amazing. So you can pick this up to get prepared ahead of time at the info desk as you leave, or we're going to hand them out Wednesday night as you come in, 6.30 day. Come and be a part of that. I'm telling you, God is going to show up and show up out as he always does. We cannot praise him enough. Give God some praise in the house today, all right? We sure hope to, to see you there. So last week we talked about new priorities in this series, Reset. And if you weren't a part of that, be sure to go to our website or to our app or go to our YouTube channel, especially subscribe if you didn't get to be a part of that. But uh, today I want to kick it off talking about today, divine decisions. And, And I thought about a decision I made when I was a kid. Now, I don't know about you ladies, but I know about us guys. Guys, how many of us just grew up loving firecrackers? Can I get a witness, right? Yes, yes, we loved them, man. And, and we would buy those black cat firecrackers and whatever kind we could get. And I had an older brother and a cousin. They were about five years older than me. So I was about eight years old. And so I would watch them, man. We'd do whatever we could do. You'd put them in your teeth and how long you'd do before you spit it out. Just We'd throw them at each other, light them and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, these guys are really brave, you know. And so what they would do, they would light them and throw them, you know. And I thought, I need to try that. That's pretty cool, you know? And so I did, and the thing about it was, I didn't realize that a firecracker can quick fuse. You guys know what I'm talking about, about quick fuse. Okay, so I lit it, and when I went to throw it, it blew up inside of my hand here. Well, I don't know what you know about firecrackers, but that hurts. It it fried my hand. It fried it so bad you could see it and blisters come out. And so I grew up, my mom and dad didn't throw away anything. They would take half gallon, um, those half gallon milk cartons that were made of cardboard, and then they would fill them up and freeze them for ice, okay? You had milk ice. That's just what you had, okay? Uh, But anyway, I remember I I kept my hand on it all night long, and my mom would check on me because the hand hurt so bad. That was one decision that literally burned. (laughs) So I don't know about decisions you've made, but I looked at some research and Columbia University did a study and they they said this, and I know these stats are subjective, but they said that the average human being makes about 70 decisions a day. That's about 25,500 a year. And if the average human between male and female in the U.S. lives to be 79, they will make over 2 million decisions in their lifetime. So 
when you think about your life, life is all about decisions. There's some decisions right now you can smile about, man, and they just, you think back on it and it makes you smile. There are other decisions that you've made and it makes you want to vomit. It makes you want to forget about it. Maybe it's a bad relational decision and you move forward, but you remember somebody warns you about that. Or maybe it's a situation, it's a bad financial decision. And you know what? You didn't just want it. You convinced yourself that you needed it. And you went and you signed that apartment lease without finding the, and really looking at the small print. Or you went and got that interest-free credit card and now it's 21%. So the list goes on with those kind of decisions. How many of you here today with me will admit that we've all made some bad decisions? Would you raise your hand? That's all of us. And so how do, how do we steer from that, you know? But whether it's a toxic friendship that you had or it was a person that you were dating or it was a career change that you did and you regret it or maybe your teenagers brought some friends over and they convinced you they were good kids and now you realize the direction they led your kids in. Making precise decisions isn't guessing with God's guidance. Okay, I want you to get that. I want you to get the big idea today. Making precise decisions isn't guessing with God's guidance. See, personal decisions will always have a public impact, whether it's got to do with your spouse or your kids, or it's got something to do with your coworkers or your company or the future and the dreams that you've been having in your life. Those personal decisions can end up being good, bad, sometimes regretful. So take the outline out you got, or you can turn on your Bible or turn in your Bible. And we're going to look at a, some scriptures from the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament. And he says this in chapter 10, verse 23 and 24. He says, I know Lord that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. So correct me Lord, but please be gentle. Do not correct me in anger for I would die. See, God's ability to guide our lives is far superior to our own ability. And His power can correct the course of our lives if you allow Him. It's totally up to you. Think about this. What is the worst decision that was ever made? Think about that. Some of you, I can see smoke coming out of your ears. You really are contemplating on this decision. If you go to Genesis, the very first part of the Bible, and I talked about God being first, you realize the fourth word in the whole scripture is what? Fourth word. In the beginning, you guys are good. The first two chapters of Genesis, the world was perfect, right? No sin, no sorrow. No problems. Then look in chapter 3, who shows up on the scene? It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Do you notice how he asked Eve the question? He asked Eve the question in a way that created doubt. And that's what he does to humanity today. He will bring questions to your mind to create doubt in your mind. So when he brought the question that created doubt, what did it do to Eve? It confused her decisions. Do you see that? You get that? Say yes. So 
Of course we may eat from the fruit, the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the middle of the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. God never said not to touch it. She added to it. Be careful how you add to what God said. When there's a God said, be sure you stick with what God said. Okay. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. What did, the, what did the enemy do here? He took some truth, he mingled it with lies, and he caused confusion at this moment for Eve. Look at verse 6, these four words. The woman was convinced. How many married men do we have in the house today? Raise your hand. All across. Let me talk to the men for a minute. You married ladies can lean out. You can check your Instagram, your Facebook post. You can do whatever. Think about something else. Check an email. But married men, especially, what do you do with a woman that's convinced? Absolutely nothing is what you do with a woman that's convinced. Okay, let's keep going. The woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some of the fruit to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And verse 7 is where humanity changed. At that moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. The beginning of sin in humanity, the worst decision that was ever made. Not following instructions made an eternal moment of destruction. Destruction. That follows to you and I. And think about it. It would be so great. It would be an ideal moment if you and I had plenty of time to make every decision that we were going to make. That we could sit down and we could actually write down the pros and write down the cons. But you and I know when it comes to the decision making process, that's not always possible. Sometimes you have got to be decisive. You've got to do it quickly. And everyone though, after you make the decision, lives with the consequences. That's what happens. I was looking at different last-second decisions throughout history. One, how many of you know what this ship is here? I'm going to throw up a picture. That is the Titanic. For those of you, it is a real ship that really went down in the North Atlantic. If it's a figment of your imagination, you just think it's a Leonardo DiCaprio movie with a woman showing what she didn't need to show in order to get painted like she didn't need to be painted and learn how to spit like a man, that this is a real ship, okay? So anyway, what you may not know, there's 2,200 people, 1,500 perished. It was supposed to be a ship that not even God could sink. But on April 4, on, on April 14th, 1912, the ship went down in the North Atlantic, which you may not have known, that at a last-second decision to switch second officer David Blair to another person that was not going to be on the ship, David Blair gets off the Titanic, and what David Blair didn't do was leave a locker key that had the binoculars needed for the lookout tower in order to spot those big white structures called 
and the rest is history. Think about this president here. Who is this president? Holler out his name. Teddy Roosevelt. I love him because I got my teddy bear when I was a kid, and I love my teddy bear. That come from Teddy Roosevelt, you know. 26th president. What you may not know about him, he was going to go and give a speech in the same year as the Titanic. Matter of fact, it was on October 14th, and he was going to go and give this speech. And he had worked on this speech very hard, and it was a 50-page speech. So he takes the speech in the last second, he folds it up, puts it in his army jacket on the left of his breast here, and he goes out, he's in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, he goes out of the Hotel Gilpatrick, he goes and he gets in the car, and he stands up in the car, and when he stands up in the car to wave bye to everybody, a man comes up just so many feet away with a 38 caliber pistol and shoots him right here in the chest. They thought President Teddy Roosevelt was dead. You know what he did? He was, you don't realize how tough this guy was. He coughed to see if it penetrated his lungs. They're saying, we got to take you to the hospital. We got to take you to the hospital. No, you're not taking me to the hospital. You're taking me to give a speech. And shot, blood coming out, but it didn't penetrate his lungs. He goes and gives a 53-minute speech after that. Try that out for size. Then tomorrow, we're going to be celebrating one of the greatest men in our history Dr. Martin Luther King. Here he is. And you think about Dr. Martin Luther King. He's known for the I Have a Dream speech, the greatest civil rights and pastor man that we've ever known. And on August 26th that night in 1963, he sat around the table with his other spiritual advisors and they come up with his speech and he got his speech together. And the entire speech had nothing to do with the dream. So he gets up at the mall, he begins to share it, he's focused more on his speech, and next thing you know, Mahalia Jackson is a gospel singer, and she hollers out to him and says, tell him about your dream. And the rest is history for a man that wanted to help our world know that it's not the color of our skin, but it's the content of our character. And he deserves a hand clap. So, the truth is, decisions that you make today determines tomorrow's outcome, whether they are good or bad. And some bad decisions you pay now, and sometimes you pay for the rest of your life. Could it be a DUI that you got? Could it be a drug charge? Could it be a felony conviction? Could it be an ex-spouse, whatever the situation is, you, don't you wish sometimes, and I know that we all do, that you could just undo those decisions that keep on hitting us so hard. How many of you would agree with me that you would like to undo some decisions in your life? Raise your hand. Yes, but it's just not possible. Maybe it's a dumb purchase of a car and you're thinking, man, you just can't pay the note. Or maybe it's a doomed relationship. Everybody's trying to tell you and you say, well, you don't understand. He's a good guy. And I know he's 40 years old and he don't have a job and he lives in his mama's basement, but he's a good guy, you know. Well, you don't understand. I really like her a lot. And I know when she's sitting around, she's texting her ex, but man, she's beautiful. You know, I mean, I mean, what's up with that? Destructive habits, whether it's addictions, and we got to be honest, it's easy, really easy to convince ourselves that something's good that ends up being really, really, really bad. 
So why is this so important? Because we get our hearts fixed on something and you tell yourself, I want this. And the thing about it is, it's not so easy to justify a want when you work on your psyche to convince you that it's a need. You don't understand. I need this, man. I got to have that DQ blizzard. How many of you ever had a Hawaiian, a Hawaiian DQ blizzard? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Man, I'm telling you what, that is the bomb.com. Some of you younger people don't even know that phrase, but anyway, that's okay. But man, and you think, I got to have the Whopper. I got to have the fries. I'm on a diet, though. It doesn't seem to be working too well for me. So whether you're buying it, whether you're drinking it, whether you're taking it, or whether you're going back out with them, what do you do? Why is that? Because as human beings, we deceive ourselves. We lie to ourselves. A few chapters over, Jeremiah said this in chapter 17, verse 9. He says, the human heart... Is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how really how bad it really is? That's what he's saying here. The heart's deceitful. The heart's misleading. We have free will. We have power of choice. God's not going to mess with that. And we don't just lie to ourselves, but we deceive ourselves. But people say, "Well, pastor, you don't understand. They really have a good heart." Uh, let me read this again. It says, "Desperately wicked. Who knows how bad it is? We don't know." How bad it is. That's why we deceive ourselves. And we end up failing and making good decisions. I don't know about you, and I'm not bragging on myself, but I'm going to brag on you. I know you're smart enough, and I know really I'm smart enough to know that I've made some dumb decisions. Can I get a witness? <laughs> right? We all have. We've done that before in our lives. Smart people often make dumb decisions. That's why you go back out with him, even though he told you he'd never hit you again. That's why you bought the vehicle now that you cannot pay for. That's why you said, I'm only going to take one drink, but you find yourself hard to find yourself sober. Why do we make bad decisions that we should have known better? Because as a human race, we suffer with the same issue of the heart. Our hearts are deceitful. And I know it seems gloom and doom today. And it seems hopeless, but there's hope. Okay? There is hope. Look at the person next to you and say, there's hope. Now look back down and say, for you too. Right? You got to be truthful with yourself and you've got to come clean that there's a clear picture that God wants to give you. So what do you do? You got to stop making excuses and you got to ask the why behind it. Why don't you stop being abusive? Why did you file for divorce? Or why do you keep going back out with them? Why did you decide to move in with them? Why did you quit your job? Why do you basically stop going to church? Why did you stop? reading your Bible? Why did you stop praying to God? Ask yourself the hard questions and face the truth over accepting the deception that ultimately lead to bad decisions in your life. Stop making excuses. Stop trying to convince yourself by lying to yourself. Now, this may be scary to some, but it may be liberating to you, and it can empower you, and you just need to right now. Here's what I need you to do. It's what, this is so important. Just pause right now for heart to heart with you and God. You and God. Let God's precious spirit and you have some moments together. Because I want to share some things with you, the best 
decision that you'll ever make is, a, is a, you know what the best decision you'll ever make is probably the next decision you're going to make. But when it boils down to the best decision you'll ever make is when you allow Jesus Christ to be in your heart and give you that new start. Look what it says in Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. He says, and I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. How many of you are so glad he took out your stony, stubborn heart? Raise your hand. Yes. Isn't that awesome that he done that? How many of you know somebody that you wish he'd take out their stony, stubborn heart? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel you. I feel you. Okay. It says, and give you a tender, responsive heart. So a new heart and new start. What does that mean? He's going, to give you, he's going to give you peace from the past, and he's going to give you power for the present through relationship you have with God. If you're here today and you feel empty and you're always looking for something, maybe you're at a divine crossroads today. And that's why God led you here. And if you'll let Jesus truly have your heart, not your head, not a head-filled religion, but a heartfelt salvation and a relationship with Jesus, he will help you step by step, decision by decision, into the life that you may have never had. And the best is yet to come because Jesus loves you. He's there for you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's going to be with you until you draw your last breath and open your eyes up in a place called heaven. It doesn't get any better than that. Glory be to his name. So once you have that new heart, there's no more guessing. So here, I want to break down a few things that will help you strategically here for those directions for divine decisions. And, and then, this is basically, if you'll follow this God's way, you'll be able to make better divine decisions and have few regrets. I know that's what I want to have. First and foremost, you've got to believe that God has the answers. See, a lot of times we look for answers in the wrong place. You got to believe that God has the answer. Not only that, believe that God has the answer, but that God is the answer. It says in Proverbs 2 there, it says, He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. Have you really been honest with yourself that your decision track record is not batting a thousand? So what does he say he'll do? He said, He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. What does that mean, walk with integrity? Go to the root word of Integrity comes from the root word integer, which means whole. Doesn't mean you're having a segment in life. You got your, you got your God life. You got your church life. You got your career life. No, he is the center and first of everything in your life. You're walking with integrity. He guards the path of those of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. He's going to guard your path. Do you see that? It's going to protect you if you're faithful. Then you'll understand what is right, just, and fair, and you will find the right way to go. You've got to believe God will guide you in every decision that you make, that his divine direction. You've got to check every decision that you're going to make when you're going to make them and be in the Word of God. Because the Word of God will give you a lot of decisions that you don't have to look for answers anywhere else. There's so much in the Word of God, but if you're not in the Word of God... It'll take you places you don't need to go. See, sin will keep you from this book, but this book will keep you from sin. And when you think about the word sin, that means missing the mark. So are you missing the mark? Have you been in the Word? Are you checking things with that? So not only that, do you believe God has answers, but you have got to pray and ask God for wisdom. It's so important. How can you be sure he will answer me if I ask him? Very simple. His stepbrother, the Lord Jesus' stepbrother, James, said this in the New Testament, chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and everybody recite these last six words with me. 
He will give it to you. Say it again. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He's saying simply ask. You pray and you ask. See, we all want to make wise decisions. I know I do, and I believe every one of you want to do that. But you really thought, have you ever really thought about what wisdom is? Wisdom is living your life every day from God's perspective. And I'm spitting up here, but it's holy spit. Maybe I hope it is anointed spit. I don't know why I'm spitting so much, but anyway, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. When you ask God and you pray to God for his wisdom, you apply it to your life, then you will live in God's will for your life. That's what it is. And think about this. The will of God will not take you where the power of God cannot keep you. Did you get that? The will of God will not take you in a direction that the power of God through the Holy Spirit cannot keep you in your life. So you got to believe that God has answers. you got to pray and ask Him for wisdom, but also seek godly influence. I want some of you to think right now, the people around you, you've allowed in your circle, are they influencing you in a godly way? Look what it says here in Psalm 37. The godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. They have made God's law their own so they will never slip from his path. Listen, if I could ever challenge you one thing, please be really careful of who you allow to speak into your life. You don't go for financial advice to someone that's declared bankruptcy five times. Probably not a good plan, okay? You understand what I'm saying? So you need godly influence. You need a godly perspective. You need godly counsel. And that's where a church family comes in. People that are chasing Jesus like you, being in a connection group, that way you get in a group where somebody is there for you, prays for you, wants to love you, wants to pray for you, wants to be that 2 a.m. friend. We have a plethora of pastors on staff here, glad to help you in any way we can. That's what a church family is all about. So I hope you understand that. So you believe God has the answers. You pray and you, and you ask God for wisdom and you seek that godly influence. It's just so, so important. But there's one last thing because I mean, a lot of times you're going to spend a lot of time by yourself, just you and God. You listen to God's voice. You can read John's gospel chapter 10 and the sheep know the shepherd's voice. But there's a great little nugget here from the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. In chapter 30 and verse 21, it says, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. When you look at the backstory of what was taking place here, the people of Jerusalem had left God's path. They had stopped listening to God and God was trying his best to correct them. And that's what he'll do. And he'll correct us in the same for us. But we've got to listen to him and we've got to listen to his voice and which way that he says to be able to, to go for our lives. And, and when God's guidance is so hard to hear, what makes it hard to hear God? You ever thought about that? Sin. Sin. Sin is when you miss the mark. If you're actively sinning on a daily basis, you're not repenting. That means turning from that, going the other direction, asking someone to hold you accountable. It clouds the voice of God where you can't hear the voice of God. So does selfishness. So does pride. So does a know-it-all attitude. I want you to get that and understand that right now. God's voice will never be more clear than when you are close in communion 
with him in life. It's not, listen, listen to me closely what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to break it down a little bit more. In life, it's not just about you and I making right or wrong decisions. That's a given. It's about sometimes a right or a left decision like Isaiah is saying here. For you in perspective, who am I going to marry? Do I marry this one? Do I marry this one? Do I take this job or not? I like where I'm at. Do I accept this promotion? But if I accept this promotion, i got to move across the country. i got to pull the kids out of school, whatever. Do I go to this school or do I go to this school? You know, my degree is centered here in both schools, but which one's going to be best for me to do? Sometimes our options can devour our peace. Think about that. That's why it's so important is you have to listen to the voice of God. God will keep speaking a course for you to correct you, to give you the right direction for divine decisions. So I need a volunteer, and this is going to be good here. I want you to give Brian some love as he comes to stage. Y'all give Brian some love. All right, Brian, here we go. All right, I know you love Jesus. Yes, sir. You remember when you gave your heart to Jesus, what it was like, and you were looking to him, and you asked him to be the Lord of your life, and you came to him, and how that was? You know what happened? You caused a party in heaven. Whoop, whoop, whoop. You caused a party in heaven. He caused a party in heaven, didn't he? The angels rejoiced, right? And then you got baptized, and then everybody around was cheering you and saying, woo, 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 yes. You got baptized, but then, then after you go away, and the applaud face, and the music, then you go out back in the world it's you and God now look with me when I put this verse up here what it says in 2 Corinthians 5 7 read this read this read this to me aloud for we walk by faith not by sight see that's what we do so then all of a sudden you go out in the world And we go over here and we consider what the verse was saying. This is the way you should go. It's not right and wrong because you've got the right and wrong through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? So then sometimes you're going to be faced with a lot of choices that devours your peace, right? He says, walk by faith, not by sight. He says, walk by faith. See this word? What does that say right there? Faith. Faith. What does that say, church? Shout out. One, two, three. It says faith. So then you kind of go back out in the world. Turn around, Brian. All right. No, no, face that way. Face that way. All right. Here we go. Then you got to. He walks by what? And not by? Brian, you can't see anything, can you? Nope. All right. That's good. You you love me? I do. You trust me? I do. Okay. All right. Now just think if if you go out in the world and, and Isaiah said, okay, start walking. This is the way you should go. This is the way you should go. I'm, I'm with you. Now listen, I've got you back, Brian. This is the way you should go. You need to go to the left. Now turn left. Turn left. This is the way you should go. You just keep walking. You keep walking. You keep walking. You trust me. You trust me. Stop or you're going to break a leg off the stage. But you, this is the way you should go. Keep walking. This is the way you should go. This is the way you should go. This is, tell him, tell him. This is the way you should go. Now go to the left. Here we go. This is the way you should 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 go. Hey, Brian, stop. See, did you notice what I just done? You know what happens to a lot of people? We get too far ahead of God. 
living this life, this wonderful life that he gave us. And when, when we can't hear his voice, we get too far in the future, see. But then all of a sudden, when we realize, man, I got to slow down. I'm getting ahead of God. I'm asking God to come with me. And he's saying, hey, I will be right behind you. I'm going to back you. Matter of fact, I'm God-backed. I'm God-backed. I'm God-backed. And when I'm, so this is the way you should go. This is the way you should go. Help me out, church. This is the way you should go. This is the way you should go. This is the way you should go. Now go to the left. Go left. This is the way you should go. 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 Turn to your left. This is the way you should go. This is the way you should go. This is the way you should go. Because I'm close enough, Brian, you can hear God's voice through the Holy Spirit. And he's going to guide you. And when he knows something's coming up and you've got that great voice with him, and he knows that you shouldn't do something, he's going to say, now go to the left. Now go to the left. Now go to the left. Now, listen, that's a bad way. Go to the left. Go to the left. Go to the left. That's what God does. That's what God does. Because what do we do, Brian? We walk by faith and not by sight. What do we do, church? We walk by faith and not by sight. What do we do, church? Church, we walk by faith and not by sight. God, thank you, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise his holy name. So my question is, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? You can't see God, but you're walking by faith, but... In that close relationship, you listen for directions. This is the way you should go. This is the way you should go. Whether to the right or to the left, God has got your back. Don't ever get ahead of God. Because when you get ahead of God, you can't hear God. Okay? You're not going to be able to hear His direction for the divine decisions that He wants you to make. Don't get too far ahead in the future. You got to have a word for today. You got to have a word for tomorrow. You got to have a word for next week. And God is fighting for you and he loves you. Look what it says here in Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble... They will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. If it's ever in a decision-making process, if you can get this and understand and believe that God has the answers, you stay in His Word, you pray and you ask Him for wisdom, you be sure to get with godly people that has a godly influence in your life, but yet you are on your knees, you are in a relationship so close that you can hear the whispers of the Lord. This is the way you should go. He he impresses upon our spirit. And there's going to be times, I will tell you, there's going to be times that you're going to mess up. But God's a God is is a redeemer. God's a God that takes mistakes and turns them around for his glory and his honor. He's a good God. He's a turnaround God. Why is he a turnaround God? For when we mess up because it's for your good and it's for his glory. And that's what my great God does. He takes sin and he takes it to the Savior and he gets rid of it. He casts as far as the east is to the west. He's the redeemer. He's the horn of salvation. He is the God that when you're close to him, you can hear him. And if you'll trust him for the results and the decisions that you make, God is going to direct your path. 
Man, he did that for me. I walked way away from him. I wasn't listening to him. I ended up in jail at 18. I could not hear his voice. But when I started seeking God, if he can turn a dope dealer into a hope dealer, and I am honored, and I am humbled, and I'm to be on this stage standing for today, if he can do it in my life, he can do it in anybody's life because he's a good God, right? Are you with me? Say yes. So the decision is yours. It's up to you what you're going to decide that you believe. It's up to you of what you're going to live for. It's up to you what you're going to stand for. When your heart belongs to Jesus, he will help you make divine decision after divine decision, one after another for his direction and his will for your life to where you need to go. And you know what? Here's what's so good. With God's help and the decisions that you're making, the decision you make today may very well be a story that you're proud to tell tomorrow. Praise his holy name. Would you stand with me? Father, we love you. We honor you. We can't thank you enough. You bless our lives. And we know, God, we can't change yesterday, God. We can't change our past. But God, you are a God who can help us rewrite our story and our future. So right now, God, I pray you do a work in every heart here, God, today. How many of you here will lift your hand and say, man, I've got regrets of decisions gone bad in my life. God help me. Just lift your hand real high. I've got regrets of decisions gone bad. God help me. Father, right now in Jesus' name, bless them, God. Be with them, God. God, I pray, God, that they will trust you, Jesus, like never before to relieve the pain in their lives with your power and presence. God, I pray right now that you just bless them to believe you, to pray to you, to seek that godly counsel and just listen to your voice. Maybe you're here today and you know that you have never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life and therefore you can't really hear his voice. And that's why you're here today, friend. If you feel your heart pounding, that's the Lord Jesus wanting to give you a new heart and a brand new start. That's why you're here, friend. For a man or a woman or a husband or wife, a mom or dad, a student, someone just came today and given it a last ditch ever, could God do something in my life? Yes, he can. So if that's you today and he's knocking on your heart, he wants you to invite him in. He came down the stairway of heaven. He was put on his skin that we have in his bodies. He was tempted in every way that we were tempted, yet he never sinned. And he went to the cross to take our place for all the wrong we've ever done. That's a love beyond our hearts and minds comprehension. And he came out of a tomb on the third day. The tomb could not keep him. And the very power that brought him back to life is the power he wants to give you today. So in the name of Jesus, if he's knocking on your heart and you've never made him the Lord of your life, shoot your hand up right now and say, I want to pray and make Jesus the Lord of my life. Just shoot your hand straight up right now. Say, I want to make, God bless you. I see that hand, sister. I see those hands. God bless you. Anyone else? Today's the day of salvation. And today your future is going to change because it's the greatest decision you have ever made and it determines your destiny. Just pray to him right where you're at and say, Lord Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life. I don't want to make my decisions without you any longer. I want to make the greatest decision and that's to make you the Lord of my life. Tell him that. Say, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you came and lived and died for me and arose. So I can have this great life now and one day spend eternity with you. So I ask you, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I ask you to save me. My life is yours. 
For those of you that lifted your hand, you just caused a party in heaven. Let's give God some praise in the house today. Glory be to his holy name. Glory be to his holy name. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you. We praise you. We honor you. You're a good God. Thank you for the divine decisions. We love you and thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody shouts.